forward. That's what it's all about. Keeping your mouth shut about cannabis is not the answer. You've got to speak it out and tell people. And you've got to not be afraid. The fear is an awful obstacle when it comes to the cannabis. If you can lose the fear, don't be afraid of it. It's not your enemy. It is going to be your friend. And once you build a relationship with cannabis, you'll never have a greater friend again. Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, the show that inspires, promotes, and gives you a daily dose of inspiration from the people who have used cannabis to change their lives in extraordinary ways. Here's your host, Justin Benton. Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant and how it helps people in extraordinary ways, literally all over the world. Today, we have an incredible guest from across the pond in Ireland. Vera, Vera joins us, Twomey, from Ireland and has an amazing story that Dan wanted us to make sure that we got on the Miracle Plant podcast, recording live out here on Clubhouse, 10 a.m. Pacific. So welcome to the show, Vera. And uh, tell us a little bit about your story and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how this Miracle Plant has helped you and, and changed your life in, in, you know, incredible ways. Good morning, Justin. How are you? Thanks for thanks for inviting us onto the program. We pleasure to speak to you. I suppose we're we're here, we're over here in County Cork in Ireland. I suppose the beginning of our journey with the cannabis plant was actually looking back across the ocean at you guys over in North America and what was going on with um cannabis in the US and in Canada. Um because I have a little girl. And her name is Ava, and she was born in 2009, and she developed early uh, at the age of four months. She started having uh, seizure activity um, and subsequently was diagnosed with a form of epilepsy called Dravet syndrome, um, which is a... We, we all we're all familiar with Paige Figgy and Lars Marciner and Charlotte's story. Uh, Charlotte Figgy had had the same um, condition that Ava has, the Dravet syndrome. And in the early years of Ava's life, we were stumbling from one pharmaceutical medication to the next in a desperate attempt to try and get her seizure activity under control. Um, and we were failing. Absolutely, we were we were failing. It was not it was not working. We were uh, we were having not even daily seizures, but hourly seizures. We were experiencing um, uh, weekly weekly or biweekly hospital admissions uh, situations where you're having two, four, six tonic clonic seizures a day. Um, administering five, six, seven, ten over the course of time uh, tablets a day trying to stop these seizures. They weren't working. The side effects were catastrophic. Ava's life was, um, I would hardly say it was a life. It was more like an existence. And we just kept trying and trying to find something that would help. And it was... It was through that search for something to help our daughter that we discovered Charlotte Figgy's story in the States and the same condition and how Charlotte's life had been changed. And I remember guys like looking at one of the videos about her story and I just remember saying to myself, okay, I need to get that for Ava. Um, but, uh, I, I can tell, I can tell, can you hear me? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I, I, I just remember saying, you know, that I had to, I had to get this for Ava and I sure as heck didn't know how difficult it was going to be, but, um, or how many years it was going to take or the opposition that we were going to face, but, in the end of it all, we, we did get what Ava needed, but um, the journey that we had to take 
to get uh, cannabis medication, which in our situation, and I'm not suggesting that it's the same for every single family, but in our situation, cannabis medication is and always will be and should have been always available for Ava because it was the best option to stop her seizures. I wouldn't want anybody to go through what I've gone through to get access to medical cannabis because what I've gone through and the length of time that Ava was made to wait for the correct medication for her was so wrong, it's beyond imagining. Um, we... We had to do a lot of we we had to we had to do a lot of things. Um, I suppose the, I I'm I'm here now. You know I'm I'm in a I'm sitting in my kitchen in in a, in in our home in County Cork in Ireland, and I'm talking across the across to all of you guys over in America. But when I started back in 2015, trying to trying to highlight the situation for my daughter and her need for access to medication. Nobody wanted to hear me at all. Nobody wanted to talk about, about cannabis. Nobody wanted to talk to me about cannabis. Nobody was taking me seriously at all. And so it was the most extraordinary, like to have to go out in public to raise awareness, to tell your story publicly was very difficult. But I'm certain that if we hadn't talked publicly about Ava's situation, we would not have got where we were because it was the support of the Irish people and it was the support and the knowledge of people within Ireland and further afield. And I'm including American people that were extremely supportive of our situation as well, um, caused this to happen. But they, they, I, I've done, I've done, like, I've done some things. I've, I've camped outside the parliament um, of, our, of our country to highlight my daughter's situation. I took on a nine-day walk to walk from my home to the parliament in Dublin to highlight my daughter's situation. I've been invited to speak at the House of Commons over in England about the, 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 the benefits of medical cannabis. I've spoken in the European Parliament about the benefits of cannabis. Um, I've um, lobbied, and as it happens, successfully to get my daughter's medication funded because we were, we were forced to pay for our daughter's medication for a very long time. Um, and... Uh, all of these things, all of these things are so wrong. Um, you shouldn't have to be fighting for access to your medication. You should get support and help. And even though we have got what we needed for Ava here now, there are still many people struggling and not able to access the medication. And as a person who's got a child whose life has been changed completely by cannabis and who is like it's gone from a place of darkness to a place of light because of cannabis. It's a very distressing situation to know that you're one of only very few people to enjoy the real benefits of genuine cannabis medication. Well, that's uh, an amazing story. And, and that's exactly why we love to have people like yourself and your daughter and your family share these stories with other families, you know, here in the United States and all over the world, because of course, you know, as you know, this plant helps people in so many different ways with so many different complex ailments is what we're yes. talking about today. You know, Charlotte's story is really what kind of ignited the fire here in the United States and her yeah. mom page and, and, and really pushing through to, to, you know, get that, that, um, that, that medication that was so important and so valuable and in, in, in turning the tide for her, just like it was for your daughter. And so, yeah, just uh, amazing to hear um, that, you know, what you've been through and, and um, how far we've come in the last five, you know, to 10 years, it really is quite remarkable. But like you said, there's still many families out there that either don't have access, they don't have an understanding 
They don't, they're very confused by the different options, um, yep. depending, depending upon where you live, you know, access to what types of products. So over there in Ireland right now, what, what, uh, what type of access is there for a child with a severe ailment, um, you know, like, like epilepsy? Oh, um, I mean, Justin, like the thing is that we have, we have come a long way, but I mean, you know, as we all know, wh where we've come from is literally zero. You know, you're, you're, I, I remember starting off in, in, in 15 and, and a very, a, a very genuine, um, uh, neighbor was, was, was saying, God, it's wonderful that the cannabis is working. This is amazing. How is Ava? stopped we're praying for her you know like how is she doing and we said she's doing great she's doing really well and he said he said i, I i'm so happy that she's that she's that she's doing well but i have one question for you how do you get her to smoke it and and we we looked we looked at him and 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 we said she doesn't smoke it you know she, she's it, it's an oil and that was the level of understanding that there was about um, cannabis in Ireland just a couple of years ago. People didn't know what CBD oil was. They, 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 it, it wasn't, it wasn't on the radar. And it, it really has, it's really been an explosion in our country in the last number of years about knowledge about the issue. But you're so right. There is massive degrees of confusion not only among patients, but among the medical profession. The medical profession are seeking out, um, you know, um, clinical trials in a similar way to the, the way they would be with pharmaceutical medications, but they're not available in the same way or through the same mechanism that they would be expecting to access them for pharmaceutical meds. The patients are, the patients are seeing anecdotal evidence. I hate that term, actually, but you know they're they're hearing the success stories like like ours and other people's but they're confused they don't know where to go for access there's a lack of education um and uh the, the it's like it, it it it's like there's a there's a there's a knowledge the fear has been the fear about the cannabis has been somewhat reduced but access is still very difficult um there are there are there are only people being prescribed medical cannabis in our country at the moment on an individual basis, on individual licenses. There was a cannabis access program then set up in 2017. And just in the last couple of weeks, which I mean is four years later, uh, this, this cannabis access program is only just recently been funded. Um, but the trouble is that the product, there's only one product attached to it and a very good, he's a professor now, above in Dublin, suggested that he wouldn't be comfortable prescribing that product because he felt the THC amount was too high in it. And I remember thinking at that very time, how dare they say and give me a list about all the things that Ava's not going to achieve? How dare they say to me that she's going to be in a wheelchair, that she's never going to talk, that she's never going to do this, that she's never going to do that. And I said at that time, I said, well, you know what? If she is in a wheelchair, that's OK. But by God, we're going to try and we're not going to sit here and just accept that, you know, she's never going to achieve anything, you know. And then. We knew nothing about cannabis at that time. So for several years, we fought through all the different pharmaceutical medications, the hospital admissions, the ambulances coming to the door on a weekly basis, um, the complete and utter, our lives just disintegrated completely. Our social life was eliminated. Um, um, we never, we, people even stopped inviting us to go anywhere because they knew that we weren't going to be able to come because Ava was so sick and they didn't want to upset us. Um, just everything started to revolve around seizure activity in hospital. Um, and that went on for several years. And then in 15, uh, in the 15, early 16, they told us there's no more options for Ava other than go back over all the pharmaceutical medications and we'll try them again. 
you need to take your daughter home and make her comfortable. And I said, what do you mean make her comfortable? And uh, they said, she's not going to make it. And I said, well, okay, okay, right. So we took her home, but I wasn't going to accept that my daughter wasn't going to make it. And we, we battled, we battled on, we tried to find, we started to try to find the cannabis medication for her. That's what we focused on. And we knew then we had to go public. So, um, just being, being a, being genuinely like in the background of it all, just being quite a shy person, I found it very difficult to come out publicly and talk about my daughter's problems, talk about my daughter's condition. When we had, when we had asked the consultant in Ireland about prescribing CBD alone, now at this stage, this was not with THC included, when we asked to, to ask her about prescribing the CBD medication, we were met with a wall of silence. And um, there was implications being made that there was so much pressure on me regarding my daughter's condition that I was mentally unstable because I was looking for cannabis for my child. Um, and uh, that's how serious it was here. And so in October of 2016, and the date October 16 now is important because we're in October of 2021 now, which is... 17, 18, 19, which is five calendar years later, I met Joel Stanley above in the hemp store in Cable Street above in Dublin, um, owned by um, James and Mark above in Cable Street. And I was introduced to Charlotte's Web. I had already encountered Charlotte Figley, Lord Mercy, and her story. But we started Ava on the Charlotte's Web after meeting Joel, and, um, or Joel, sorry. and. Anyhow, we started the CBD, and you know what happened? The seizure stopped, and there was no seizure. And there was no seizure for two days, four days, six days, 10 days, 13 days of seizure freedom. And she was seven years old, and I had never experienced my daughter's life without seizures for that length of time. And I remember being afraid to speak, being afraid to talk about it, because I said, if I say it out loud, maybe it'll stop and the seizures will come back. And I remember thinking, there's no need to be afraid of this because whatever other people are suggesting about cannabis, it has stopped Ava's seizures and nothing else had ever, ever done that. And for me in that time, it was like everything that I had studied, everything that I had looked up, everything that I had done was justified in that those two weeks. And I knew then that it didn't matter what else I needed to do, no matter how difficult it was going to be, that I was going to get this legally. I was going to get this prescribed. I was going to get whatever cannabis-based medication my daughter needed. I was going to get it for her. Now, I didn't know how, but I just knew that... I was going to do it for, I was going to get it, whatever I had to do, I was going to do it. And from there, we experienced a winter in 2016 where she only had about 10 seizures in the whole winter. And to put that into context, um, to try and explain to you, my my daughter was, was admitted to hospital with seizure activity, you know, say it was a year and a half, two years previous to that, she had she had 17 tonic-clonic seizures in eight hours and she had, she had two heart attacks and she nearly went that time, she nearly she nearly passed away but she fought back she fought back again and again and again she was on another occasion inside in another hospital in Cork and 
she had experienced several seizures together and there was an increase of medication and a decrease of another medication and the whole ball of circumstance drove her into a coma which she lasted for nine days in a in a in a coma and uh and then they i i remember the doctors and nurses around the bed one of the nights and i understand now that they were preparing for her passing that she was going to go that night and uh we sat, we stood there we sat there and she was just in the bed this little girl and the next thing her eyes opened and she cut she cut a, a, a bit of a there was a, a an iv in her arm and she pulled it out and she fought back from that as well and like these are our kids this is just not ava these are these are kids like Ava. These are kids like Charlotte. These are kids like Karen Gray up in Scotland, our little boy Murray. These are like Alfie Dingley. These are these are children that are the most remarkable people, the bravest people. That like when you're their parent, it's actually a privilege to fight for them, you know. So, like. I had found the answer to her seizures and I just knew I had to do what I had to do. So in 17 then, uh, now bear in mind then like that along, along this line while all this was happening, I would wake in the morning, I would prepare my kids breakfast, take them to school, deal with Ava and get on the phone. And I would make phone calls to every politician that I could find. I was on to newspapers. I was on the television. I was on to radio. I was, there was people from England started contacting me. There was people from the European Parliament, from Europe starting contacting me, talking, talking, talking about cannabis, looking for access, highlighting, highlighting, petitions, meetings all over the country. Uh, every, every county in the country we nearly visited doing meetings highlighting the situation, hearing other people's stories, learning all the time, on and on. And then I have three other children as well. So there are three other children younger than Ava and making sure that they were balanced and okay and that everybody was fine and all of this, dealing with that too. So in the meantime, the government was being very, very hard on us, uh, uh, looking for help, no response to emails, difficulty getting in contact to anybody on the phone. And anyway, it, it came to pass that in, in November of 16, I just couldn't take it anymore. I just, my father, Lord to mercy on him, he had always said, you know, if the mountain won't come to Mohammed, then Mohammed must go to the mountain, right? So, in November of 16, I decided if nobody is listening to me and we had at the time, Simon Harris was the health minister. One of his secretaries had banged the phone down on my husband um, one of the mornings and we were just in despair. So I said, I'll walk to Dublin. I said, if Simon won't talk to me or won't listen to me, I'll, I'll walk. I'll, I'll walk up there. So... I put on my coat one morning in November of six. Uh, that was yeah, November of sixteen, and I left my home in Ahabulug and I walked eighteen miles as far as Mallow. And anyway, what happened was Simon Harris rang me. He had my number. He rang me. He said, "Vera, Vera, stop." Don't go any further, Vera, stop. We'll meet you. Please don't do this. You can't do this. I said, okay, well, you're going to meet me. You're going to, okay, we'll talk. We'll sort it. He said, we'll sort it. We'll meet. I believed him. Um, I remember being told at the time, Vera, don't stop. They're not going to help you. Don't do it. You've got to keep going. But I said, I have to give the man a chance. I have to give the benefit of the doubt that that he will he will help us so anyway he met us the following the following in the the following week or maybe maybe it was seven to ten days later or something like that they did nothing they didn't help us they were just trying to brush us off he had hoped that i had made this kind of 
what he thought was a crazy display of emotion um, about walking. And, and I, I had told him, I had told him on the phone, I said, don't make a fool of me. I said, because if you make a fool of me, you'll make a fool of Ava. And I said, I won't let anybody make a fool of my daughter. And I said, if you, if you don't help me, I'll go back to Mallow again the next time I said, and I'll walk from there. So anyhow, I told the man what I was willing to do. He didn't help me. So in, it would have been March of 17. We went back, I went back to Mallow and I, 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 I put it up on the Facebook and the, you know, the different social media platforms at the time, at the time, I didn't know anything about Twitter. I put it up there. I'm going to walk to Dublin. Well, what happened? I mean, I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to explain what happened, but the people just started coming. They came from everywhere and they came, they came because they had children like Justin, like children like ourselves that had children with autism or that in your case, God bless him, that he had autism. And they came because they had children with epilepsy. They came because they'd heard that cannabis helped cancer. They came because they had experienced cannabis and it had cured their cancer. They came because they believed in God. They came because they believed they, they, there was every faith coming. And they all were coming out to just walk a mile of the road with us. There was parents with their children. There was women crying. With children in wheelchairs coming. There was... There was, there was farmers, there was, there was, there was architects, there was engineers, there was every type of person came on that walk. And I think we, we continue to walk and it's about, I suppose, I suppose it's about 200 miles or so to walk to Dublin. So that's what I did. I would have been prepared to do it on my own, but I didn't have to do it on my own because thousands upon thousands of people came over the course of the days. It was on the RTE news. It was on the TV3 news. It was on the BBC. I think it went as far as the Washington Post. Um, but uh, we got to Dublin. And, and I mean, the generosity of people like is extraordinary. I know there's a bad, bad in the world and there's a lot of sadness in the world, but the generosity of people was really shown throughout that walk, the kindness, the prayers, the practical gifts, the, the you know, the, 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 anything that people could think of to help us. So we got to Dublin. There was about 3,000 people outside the gates of Ardal, which is our parliament above in Dublin by the time we got there. And um, they took us in. They took us in, we went in, we met with Simon Harris, the Minister for Health at the time. We had a four-hour meeting with Simon Harris and uh, he did nothing. And uh, we still didn't have a consultant to prescribe it. We were still in a desperate system. We were still depending on, on, on Charlotte's web and there was signs of breakback seizures coming through for Ava because uh, some of our children can be successful on the CBD alone, but more of our children need the introduction of the THC to stabilize seizure control as well. And Ava is one of those people. So what happened then anyway was um, we're, we'd done the walk. We had highlighted the situation. I didn't quite realize actually how much we'd highlighted it, how far the story had traveled because I suppose I was just, I, I, I was just, I was just in my own world of what do I do next? How do I make them listen? I, I wasn't aware that it had, you know, reached people in America, you know, things like that. Um, but anyway, they wouldn't help us. We still didn't have the consultant. We were, we were, our backs were still against the wall and we knew then that we needed the THC. So the next thing that I decided to do was, um, I, I booked a flight to Barcelona. Uh, I went to the, I had found out about the Calapa Clinic in Barcelona through a, 
through a wonderful lady who's who's since passed away who had gone there to treat her cancer and she'd successfully treated her cancer via the Kalapa Clinic. So I went over to the Kalapa Clinic and uh, I I got a prescription there for CBD and THC oil. Now, um, the thing was, and this was my this was my opinion. This this was the way I felt. This uh, some people agree with me, some people disagree with me. People want to always agree with you all of the time, but I declared my medication coming back because I had a script for my daughter's medication. I had a right to my daughter's medication, and uh, I wanted to bring my medication in publicly without. Uh, having to sneak it in because I felt that I couldn't live the rest of my life hiding from the authorities with illegal cannabis. I wanted legal prescribed medication so that I could leave, lead a comfortable life and know that Ava was secure and that we were secure with the medication that we had. So I declared it and they detained me at the airport. Now, when we came off the plane in Dublin airport, and I felt very bad about this because a lot of the other passengers were very frightened. They lined us up against the wall above in Dublin and they had sniffer dogs out. And they ran the dogs up and down along the people against the wall. And um, I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And I just thought, oh, my God, you know, like, what? What are they going to do next to make me look like somebody who is doing something wrong? And I'm not doing anything wrong here. So the funniest thing of all was anyway that the dog missed the cannabis. The dog didn't indicate the cannabis at all. So I stepped forward and I said, maybe this is what you're looking for. <laughs> and uh. So they said, they said, hello, Vera. I said, hello. <laughs> and they took me away. They took me into a room. And this isn't funny, really, you know, but like they sat me down in a room with a metal chair and a metal table. And two women sat across from me inside in the airport on their equally metal chairs across the metal table. And they sat me down and they questioned me there for nearly an hour. And there were several occasions where, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an automatic movement where you go to move the chair a little bit closer to the table. And I couldn't move the chair because the chair was stuck to the floor. And I just felt like I'm not a criminal. I haven't done anything wrong. And like, it is just so wrong that they're doing this to me. They decided at the end that they were going to take my THC medication away from me. And uh, we drove back down to Cork without the THC medication. So that was, that was March, April time. We knew then, we knew then that we'd have to do what... Uh, we never wanted to do. I had never, never wanted to leave Ireland. I, I never wanted to, I'd wanted to start out our business, get our prescription, get, get our access and lead a quiet life in Ireland. But they wouldn't let us do it. The government, I mean. Um, so in June of 17, we had to pack our bags pack my children's bags and I had four children the youngest child was two years of age at the time and uh fill up the car and drive to Dublin from Cork to Dublin to get a boat to go to England drive across England and Wales and get another ferry from Wales over to the Netherlands where they made us go and we, when we got there, we didn't have accommodation organized. Nothing was solid. We just had a few friends and 
people that helped us that have turned out to be some of the greatest friends of my whole life, actually. And we had to find, we had to find a, a place to stay over there. Had to try and explain to the kids and, you know, turn it into an adventure and a holiday for the children and be brave in front of the children while internally you're losing your mind. And uh, they made us stay there for six months before they'd issue us a license to come back to Ireland. Because in the Netherlands, we found a consultant, we found the GP, we found everything in a reasonable productive way to get access to medical cannabis and once we had the consultant in the Netherlands the consultant in Ireland came on board and then we were depending on the government to grant us the license to allow us back to Ireland with the THC medication legally um and uh you know like they took away a lot from us my my son Michael started school in September of 17, for example. But I missed that day because I had to be over in, 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 um, I had to be over in Holland with Ava organizing the medical cannabis and I had to send my other children home to go to school. So from September to December of 17, they left me over there on my own with Ava. And I fought so hard. I was on the phone every day, every night, all the time, on and on. And it just, it just didn't seem to be happening. But what was happening was that Ava had started to sing. Ava had started to dance. The seizures were gone. Her life was opening up in front of her. And she was smiling. She was engaging. She was so knowing. Um, just like, just, just a happy, just a happy little girl. And that's what the CBD and THC had done. And yet we weren't allowed home with her medicine. So finally and eventually there was there was movement in December of 17 and in, in a very, and it's like this. Sometimes you probably have experienced this yourself with the cannabis. It, it seems like you're battling and battling for days and weeks and months and years. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, something breaks and something happens. And I got a call one morning to say the license has been granted. You can come home. And that was it. And we were able to get home to Ireland for Christmas of 17. So when we got back to Ireland then, they they told us that they wouldn't refund the medication for us, that we had to pay for the medication for ourselves. So in Ireland, uh, if you're an epilepsy patient, you're on a, a, a long-term illness book, it's called. So I had assumed that because this was Ava's epilepsy medication that she, her medication would be placed on this long-term illness book and that the state would take care of the payments but they discriminated against us again because we were using cannabis you see and so they told us oh no no you're you that's not going to be paid for you must pay for that yourself i said there is no way i said that is like in any case Ava's medication at the time was costing about 10,000 euros every three months. So we couldn't afford to pay for it anyway. So we fought back against that and they relented. And they told us that they would reimburse the medication. So we had to pay for it up front and then wait for, you know, six to eight weeks to get that reimbursed. And that system was going to continue. And the next thing they told us then was that you're you're not going to be able to get your medication via the pharmacy. And we said, where are we going to get it? Oh, they said, you're going to go to Holland to get it. So they told us that 
we had to travel over to Holland every 12 weeks to collect Ava's medication in the Netherlands and then fly back with it, with the license, and that's how it was going to be. Now, I, I, I must admit that at the time, I could take, I could barely take anymore. I, I couldn't argue with them anymore. It would have been so difficult. It had been so long that we, we kind of relented and just sort of accepted that this is what we were going to have to do. So from, so from like from 2018 to the advent of COVID, which would have been March of 2020, they made us travel over to the Netherlands every 12 weeks to collect Ava's medication and bring it back. And I mean, all of these things, like whether it was happening to us or happening to anybody, you're dealing, you've got to, you've got to really, you've got to really, you've got a child or, or you're dealing with an adult who's got serious needs. They need 24 hour care. They, they need their family around them. They need, they need the absence of any disruption or unhappiness around them to keep things even and keep them happy and safe and content, you know? So all of this was just, it was such disruption. But when the COVID came, we just said, no, we are not driving into Cork Airport. We are not getting on a plane, flying over to Schiphol in Amsterdam we are not getting on a train going down to Den Haag. We are not getting off the train to get on two trams to go to the pharmacy to collect the medication and to turn around and come back again. Um, and all the people that we would meet and the potential that we could get COVID and bring it back to the house to Ava, we said there's no way. And you know what happened? Within about five days, I'd say, they said, you don't have to travel anymore. And we just, I just felt like in as much as I was delighted and appreciated the help to get the medication delivered in March of 2020, I just felt, why did we have to be penalized for two years? And if COVID hadn't happened, we may still be traveling. We may still have been traveling over the, to the Netherlands to collect the medication. So um, now bear in mind that we we got we got we got, so we've got we've got the delivery now, and then I get a further email a couple of months later to say to me that the actual the actual delivery is not permanent that it's um it's only a temporary measure until the COVID restrictions are lifted. So I just said like let's you know like that that makes no sense if you're able to deliver it then can we please continue to deliver this medication and deliver, like we're dealing with vulnerable people and no, it'll only be delivered on a temporary basis until the COVID measures are, are lifted. So I kind of began another campaign to, um, to get the delivery of the medication made permanent. And it took a great deal of effort on the social media platforms and kind of daily and nightly and, you know, phone calls and, and pestering and 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 just just continuous work, but in um that would have been December of eighteen, I finally got a meeting with the new minister for health, Stephen Donnelly, and subsequent to that, the delivery of the medication was made permanent. But after the delivery was made permanent, the he made announcements that there was going to be funding at source for all um, other cannabis-based medications in Ireland, except my daughter's medication. And I just thought like, oh my God, is there any other way that they can penalize us? Like, is there is there literally anything else that they can think of to make life more like hell for us than what they're doing? And then they came up with this, that like Ava's Bedrocan medication was not going to be funded at source at all. So we had to battle that. We had to stand up against that. So from, from, I suppose, the end of January of this year to last July, I was campaigning for the introduction of funding at source for Bedrocan medication, which is my medication. Um, 
And in July of 17, I achieved that. Um, and like, uh, I must say, I'm like, I'm really, I'm really proud of having got that across the line. Um, because like, whether you want to admit it or not, the cost of the medication is prohibitive. Um, you, you, you want to feel that you can provide everything necessary and the right thing and the best thing for the family and for the kids and everything. But like, if it's not funded at source, it's not going to be viable in the long term. It's just not going to happen. And so that was a huge, that was a huge deal to have got that sorted. Um, and sort of since, since July time, um, it's been like, uh, it's been a little bit like falling off a cliff. Um, because I mean, you, you kind of grow accustomed to, um, this constant hamster wheel of action and activity and thoughts and thinking and what do I do next? And this didn't work and we'll change something. We'll do something. We'll talk to someone else. We'll do something else. And, uh, and for for me, it Ava's Ava's situation has been resolved now, and that's been resolved since I suppose like you know July or August of this year. But there there is so much more that needs to be done in Ireland, and um, I suppose I'd love to be able to do more. I have I have this knowledge in my head about cannabis, and I have made so many contacts, you know, with political people and, you know, um, built up relationships with political people in this country. Some, some which are very positive and some which are hot and cold, but they're still there. And you just kind of feel that we, wit I witnessed a health committee meeting recently where um, it seems like the issue of, of, of medical cannabis in this country is stagnating. I'm very worried about it. Um, I'm very worried about the lack of education that the doctors have in this country um, and the lack of a figurehead within the medical community. I mean, if you look to, I suppose, in America, you've got Sanjay Gupta. In England, you've got Michael, uh, Professor Michael Barnes. You know, in Ireland, we don't have that figurehead. I think that's really absent for us. And I'd like to do more, but... Um, you know, it's hard to know what's it's it's hard to know what to do next. But I do know that I suppose I, I'm I'm proud of Ava and I'm proud of like representing her and doing my part to bring this um medicine to the attention of people in Ireland. And like Justin, like going back to paying it forward, you know, that's what it's all about. Keeping your mouth shut about cannabis is not the answer. You've got to you've got to speak it out and tell people and and you've got to not be afraid. Um uh, I think when you lose the fear, the fear is an awful obstacle when it comes to the cannabis. If you can if you can lose the fear, don't be afraid of it. It's not your enemy. It is going to be your friend. And once you build a relationship with cannabis, you will never have a greater friend again. Well, I think that's beautifully said. And what an amazing story. Um, and I'm so happy that Dan was able to to connect us and, and get you on here at the Miracle Plant podcast to, to share this story with others. And, and podcasts have been uh, such an integral part of, again, getting these stories out, talking about cannabis, education, access, all that, you know, that you've gone through, uh, the ups and the downs and, and you know, such an amazing journey and, and so much has been accomplished. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we certainly love to have you back. We certainly uh, would love to help support you any way that we can. Uh, I know we'll get on an email uh, trend and just kind of figure out how we can support it. Because again, for us is, you know, we we were able to grow it out here in California as easy as growing tomatoes. And I know the weather's a That's little bit amazing. different in Ireland, but yep. but you could yep. actually grow hemp greens, like mini greens, in a in a red solo cup on your windowsill. 
that actually grows up to 14 days and you just clip them like you would any other kind of sprouts, hemp sprouts. And those sprouts themselves have all of this incredible power in them as they're, they're hitting that 10 to 14 day window, uh, a little higher in CBGA, but the other cannabinoids are there. And so there's just, and because of the podcast and we've had well, Dr. William Courtney well, just on. CB, CBG is a great, CBG is a great cannabinoid, you know, yep. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people with, um, you know, that are dealing with pain, uh, yep. um, and they've, they've taken the, they've taken the CBG and it's, it's actually a very, it's actually a very nice cannabinoid for people that have a fear of the psychoactivity of the THC, you know, yep. because it provides the benefits without the psychoactive nature, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and for us, we're, we're all learning more and more and we've all had these amazing experiences with our children and, and with other loved ones. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole plant of cannabis and it's the cannabinoids and the flavonoids and the terpenes and everything that goes on in that plant. And if we can teach people how to grow it at home, you know, we give away free hemp seeds, we give away free products. You know, we want people to have access to this product. You know, you're spending $10,000. Oh, you must send yes. me on some seeds. Yes, I'd love that oh, because I would love to see them. Yeah, I, that would be really nice. That yeah, would yeah, be great, we, actually. We, yeah, we do it all all the time, and we'd love to. And we'll make sure to send you some of our products to to see as well too. And so, you know, there's just so much to do, and I, I applaud you for all the work that you put in, and what a success story. And like I said before, if there's if there's anything I can do, or our organization, whether it's the Miracle Plant or whether it's a one on one hemp. Uh, we certainly love to, um, you know, extend overseas because our mission really is to heal the world. That is the mission. It's hashtag heal the world. It's reach a billion people by seeds, by videos, by products, by education, by 2025, because we know the kind of impact that this plant has had on our individual families and have seen it help so many other families. And there's so many millions of other families out there that are desperate, that are that are losing hope, that have tried everything. And, um, you know, just to give them education and access to products to see for themselves the power of this miracle plant is, is really what we're all about. And I mean, I think that people, you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not dozens or hundreds or thousands that cannabis can help. Cannabis, cannabis can help some some individuals like Ava in a dramatic way. You know, to eliminate seizures is a very is very dramatic. But for overall well being, it's 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 beneficial for millions of people. Um, you know, and uh, like just I I just I've lost my train of thought now. But just the just just to just again to pay it forward to get to get the message out there to to remove the stigma to decrease the fear to get people to view it as an option um because it's it's just incredible like janet had said there how was ava doing i don't know whether i how just just to explain what ava's life is like now in comparison to what it was prior to cannabis ava would have spent four to five months of every year in hospital when she was not on cannabis-based medication. And now she attends school, she meets her friends, she is probably about 95% seizure-free. Uh, she's happy, she's funny, she's the queen of the house, she's the boss of the house. And like, I don't care how much of a boss she is, she's my boss and like, it's just a privilege to see her the way she is. And it's the way so many more people like her should be, except that they're not being given the opportunity properly to access, you know. Uh, that's wonderful to hear. And I always have to jump in. I don't know if you've ever tried a product like ours based on hemp. That's the raw CBDA with all um, everything in it. And the research is showing we, it ten to a hundred up to a thousand times more powerful than CBD. So we have a lot. Yeah, of I would be people. so Yeah, Janet, I would be so interested because uh, we actually did. We actually did investigate CBDA, but the thing about it is, 
it each each product is different and you know with with each individuals each individuals in endocannabinoid system being different it it would be very interesting to see whether that would be beneficial as well i'd love that yeah you know to talk that, about that some more that'd yeah. be wonderful yeah we see so many amazing results with the a and it is like i said yeah. so more uh, powerful than any of the cbds and we keep getting awards for it, and we, but mainly our reward is seeing tons and tons of families uh, using it and having wonderful results, and their children having better lives. And again, too, that's what we're here for. Um, thank you so yeah. much, Story. Too, I must admit, being a little teary-eyed listening to some of it. So, thank you so much for being so honest and open and sharing your truth. Thank, thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks so much. Like it's great. To, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. To, I suppose, like, yeah, it's 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 yeah, it is. The story, the story is what it is. Um, but I suppose, don't you kind of have a responsibility to be honest and tell it as it is? Because if other people hadn't told their stories, you wouldn't have benefited either. You know, somebody else to take the step. Right, that's very true. I think we're all called to do that, and also mm. in the names of our children and their recovery, uh, we're all called to share. So, no, thank you so much. It's been just amazing listening to you. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we uh, that was an amazing story, and you were right. We were not able to keep that under a half an hour, <laughs> and we'll definitely want to have you back and uh, to, and and get more updates. And we're definitely going to get your mailing address, send you some of our products and some seeds, and uh, just you know anything we can do to help over here. You know, we 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 were here at the right place at the right time uh, to be able to to find the solution that we were looking for, for our child, just like you were. And um, yeah. the fact that there's, there's, there's new challenges, you know, we're in California. We just actually signed a bill into legislation this week, um, AB 45, which allows very clearly that CBD is legal in the state of California in all types of products, which sounds a little crazy because in 2018, we made it legal federally but it took three years of fighting with the California government and there's powers that be that did not want uh, easy oh, access Justin, to CBD. No, it doesn't sound crazy at all. Sure. That's the way, that's the way it goes. Like yeah. that, that's what happens everywhere. I mean, but like it's, it's kind of frightening though that it took that long in California because well, you know, the attitude is more advanced in that part of the world than what it is here. So it's probably going to take longer for things to move forward here. But like, I, I still maintain that if it was, if it was, if cannabis was declassified or federally, it, it, it probably would have a tremendous knock on effect to the rest of the world. Would you agree? Yeah, and we're very close to that. Um, I, I, my hunch has been that next year they will pass something. Unfortunately, you know, I don't have the highest of hopes that um, any government, ours included, is going to do a good job of, of uh, regulating or doing anything like that. And we have a pretty yeah. good system right now in place. But I do agree, yes, if, if the United States... Um, federally legalizes cannabis, which I believe they will next year, um, that it kind of can be a signal to the rest of the world. And a lot of other countries are moving forward. I mean, our neighbors to the north in Canada, completely federally legal. Mexico, completely federally legal. Brazil coming on board. So there is a, there's the cats out of the bag. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, sure. It's not like... Um, something like that happens that it's, a, it's crossing the finish line, as you can tell. It is really just that the race is being begun. And and uh, whether it was CBD in 2018 or whether it's cannabis in 2022 federally here, there's going to be a lot of work to make sure we don't mess up the rules and the access and the social mm -hmm. equity piece. And and Jack Herrera, who once, you know, kind of put a, put the, you know, hemp may not save the world, but it's the only thing that can, you know, he doesn't believe it's free until every single person can grow it in their front yard and it can be grown wild and free like it used to be back in the 1800s and early 1900s. And so, um, and even O'Shaughnessy who brought it over here from the mid 1800s That's and right. really has a, you know, a profound yeah. impact. 
Yep. Yeah. And so another you know, another man. <laughs> Yes, yes, he was a he was a pioneer in the, in the cannabis industry over here as well. And so you know, it's uh, we've got a long way to go, and I'm just glad that we've been connected. And there's another partner in arms that that we can uh, help, and you can help us, and we can help more families share these stories, get access to these products, and grow it themselves. Because everybody should be growing cannabis themselves whether you know it be for health or recreation, whatever it may be, um, this plant can do so much. And our, my clear vision is that people will be juicing cannabis, just like celery, just like going to a farmer's market and there'll be some fresh hemp greens next to some fresh kale greens. And people will just understand it's a superfood that needs to be a part of your daily regimen. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say to everybody that we're gonna have the links to Vera's book in the show notes. And Vera, you're welcome to join us every sat- every Saturday morning. Well, it'll be Saturday night on your in your time, 10 a.m. Pacific time, where we're live on Clubhouse. So anytime you want to jump in, we're here. Oh, cool! Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, I get I get better. I hopefully I get better at using um using Clubhouse. It looks very interesting. There's loads yeah. of there's loads of groups, isn't there? It's fabulous. Yeah. And keep yeah. following people, and there's great conversations on Clubhouse uh, about cannabis yeah. and CBD and hemp. And, uh, and you know maybe... something? If you kind of have any suggestions of what groups to join, like yeah. send them my way, that would be really helpful because uh, I kind of, it's like, a, it's like a big ocean of information when you jump into it first, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, go through my profile and look at the clubs that I'm following. That'll be a great place. Okay. For you to start, okay, most cool. of the clubs I follow are health-related and uh, CBD hemp cannabis-related. So that'll be a, a good place to, to get started. So, well, we do have to wrap up. I'm so thrilled that you came on and shared your incredible story of perseverance and um, just an amazing happy ending. And, uh, you know, just another parent warrior who did whatever needed to be done for their child. And, um, you know, hopefully your story will inspire others and we'll continue to pay it forward for other families who are um, at their wit's end, have tried everything, and um, just a little bit of extra encouragement to take that one final step. And we always encourage parents to, you know, trust their instincts. They're the only parents their child ever has, and nothing can um, overrule or um, get in the way of maternal or paternal intuition and understanding what's in it for your for your child's best interest and take back the control for who's Absolutely. in charge of your of your parent of your child's well-being and make sure you find a support team of doctors or nurses or practitioners that are on the same page as you and if you don't yes. find people that are on the same page as you then find new people because it's not exactly right you're exactly <laughs> right yes so... you're... yes I, I, that that's what we did you it, it it is it it is not a bad decision. It is the right decision. If if they if you have done the research, if you have looked it up, if you have if you have met other people with uh, talked to other people even with with experience, it is not the wrong decision to move on from a healthcare professional that isn't providing you with the right advice. Absolutely, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I do want to thank you again for joining us, and thank you everyone for tuning into the Miracle Plant Podcast on this special episode. We'll be sure to have Vera back again and check out her book, and uh, we can't wait to hear the progress and how many more, uh, you know, barriers and how many more things are are broken through because of all of her hard work out there in Ireland. So thanks everybody. On the count of three, we say heal the world. So we're going to unmute our mics and say heal the world because that truly is our mission here at the Miracle Plant and 101 Hemp is we want other families out there. We want to continue to pay it forward. We want people to hear these stories, access to these products, access to these seeds, access to this education and videos of what this Miracle Plant can do for you and your family and your loved ones. So on the count of three, we say heal the world and uh, We'll see everybody next week. One, two, three. Heal the world. world. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Miracle Plan Podcast. We'll see you next Saturday, 10 a.m. on Clubhouse. Thanks again. We'll see you then. Thanks, everybody.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.